Bevan presents Tech Talk Tuesdays with Hanita Chalabi. Welcome to Tech Talk Tuesday. I'm super excited to have you all here. Thank you for joining today. Our special guest for today is Brian Wiggins. He is the program manager of supplier diversity global procurement services from Cisco. Brian, thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm going to give a little background to our audience so they understand kind of where you came from and where you're at now. Um, so everyone meet Brian. Brian is, a, as I mentioned, the program manager in global procurement services who originally came to Cisco in 2003 as a consultant. And in his current role at Cisco, Brian promotes supplier diversity to meet Cisco's ever evolving needs. His previous roles included procurement category manager for IT, consulting, staffing, and technology suppliers. He's also a seven-year U.S. Army veteran. He served as a helicopter pilot in Seoul, South Korea, and Fort Bragg's, North Carolina, including a tour in Saudi Arabia during Desert Storm. Brian is also a co-chair of the Cisco RTP Veterans Employee Resource Organization and is a graduate of North Carolina State University. Anything else I need to add, Ryan? Uh, that, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for all your services, by the way, um, for serving our country. So appreciate that from all of us at Bay One. And just to start today, uh, our theme is making a supplier diversity program work. So Brian, being at Cisco, how did you start in supplier diversity? Could you give us some background? Well, you know, I think if you go back 10 years, there wasn't a, um, a global procurement services in indirect the way we have it today. And so the, the procurement organizations were more like in-house supplier management in different organizations like IT and engineering, uh, uh, HR, et cetera. And over time, as that as, as the GPS organization formed, we actually had leadership that went around and, you know, basically incorporated each of those, you know, negotiated and incorporated headcount from those groups to come over into a, into a centralized procurement organization. So I was kind of in the right place at the right time, had never been in procurement before, but had done a lot of sort of procurement-like stuff, particularly within contingent labor spaces. So that was really my first chance to get to, to to work in the space first with largely IT suppliers, which is where my familiarity was, but morphing out into the into Cisco's complete relationship as many of our relationships with particularly our large uh, strategic, uh, you know, uh, uh, contingent services suppliers, it sort of goes across the breadth of Cisco and there's large complex relationships between the companies. Thank you for that. And uh, just to get, uh, you know, I, I wanna be a little bit straightforward, so please forgive me. Um, when you think of diversity, uh, you think of underrepresented groups. And many times we see that the people who lead these programs, such as the one that you're with at Cisco, you know, there's a there's different types of people that work there. One of them being yourself and being in that field, being a Caucasian man. How did you get into such a crucial role at Cisco? And, you know, could you tell me a little bit about that? How do you deal with it? <laughs> Being, being a white male Southerner in diversity, so over 50. Um, it was actually, it was really, you, you know, I think it's a, it's it's an interesting question, and I really am glad you asked it because it is something I think about a fair amount. 
I mean, first of all, you know, you're kind in your in your introduction. I am a veteran. And veterans are one of the groups that we recognize in the U.S. as part of our uh, part of our definition of, of diverse suppliers. Um, it doesn't stand out as much because typically there are more there are more diversity spins and more more I guess comprehensive efforts around you know minority groups and women's groups. But veterans are a viable group and a great sort of in some ways undervalued group that definitely can be assisted by getting the types of opportunities and types of coaching that we try to do for our diverse suppliers. I think the other part, and it was really interesting because there, there are a few of us uh, in my demographic that are in the space. And one of the, one of the guys I talked to once said, you know, Brian, there's not really a career path in supplier diversity. Um, it's really more about passion. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that if it is something where you have passion for it, Passion can overcome whatever demographic hurdles that you might you might feel like you have. Um, have I have I ever felt a little awkward being you know being in my demographic where I end up being sort of a minority in the room? Yeah, a little bit. But I'll be honest, most of it is my own narrative, like assuming yeah. what somebody is thinking. And very, very rarely is it even a comment that anybody makes. And if they do, it's more like, well, that's interesting. Not, you know, uh, and, and what I would finally say is every one of those rooms I've walked into, every one of those conferences, every one of those, you know, you know, engagements, um, I always felt I never felt unwelcome. Mm -hmm. And and I think when we when we talk about diversity and we talk about it in very honest ways, uh, particularly with the heightened sense of 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 you know, social action that we have today, white males have to be part of this conversation, not to, hey, the white males are here, we're going to fix everything. This, but, but more that it, there has to be a dialogue and there has to be understanding of what we're really trying to do, because part of it is to socialize and sell and sell this type of program to my own demographic. So I think it's a great question. Thank you so much. And I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think as long as you're passionate about what you do, no matter which space you're in, you're able to help things move forward. And to be honest, every company needs people like that. People that are the move makers that are able to, you know, grab the bull by their horns and, and go forward. And you're making a real impact at Cisco. So thank you for that. Regarding the supplier diversity program, what stands out specifically at Cisco? How does the program stand out? You know, it was interesting. Um, I think everybody's going to start seeing a bit more communication from Cisco about, uh, you know, uh, about some tangible efforts that we're going to be making um, uh, over the next the next few years um, in this area where a lot of different sort of uh, DNI, uh, I guess, DNI components at Cisco sort of mm -hmm. contributed into certain goals that Cisco's uh, driving toward. And I think will be are, are being released uh, like this week. Mm -hmm. And I think what you see is an interesting comment that our leader made, uh, Alexander Lopez, was when we got into that there was a need here to the, a heightened sense of, of of social action that we might need to take. She said, "What made her feel great is we didn't have to didn't have to start from scratch. We had a great program." We, we could we could come in with components and say, here's the things we have. Here's what we can do. But we had a thought process and we had we had opinions and we had information and we had a program to implement it on. 
And I think that really starts and that tells you the number one thing is that we have leadership commitment at Cisco right down from the top. I mean, if you listen to Chuck Robbins when he speaks, if you listen to everybody down the line between Chuck Robbins and Brian Wiggins, you feel that you feel that commitment from our leadership and 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 you see it. Right. So 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 it's basically it's tangible, but you also it's also something you can feel. I think part of it is being really honest uh, to a degree, pragmatic about opportunities. If any anybody on this call, anybody that's ever dealt with me knows that we're not giving away anything. And we think that's the, that 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 perception is probably the worst thing that could happen to a supplier diversity program. We're about opportunities. We're about putting opportunities in front of high quality, low risk, diverse suppliers that we are working with to develop. Most of them we are already doing business with today, which makes it very hard to step in and be a diverse supplier at Cisco. But we're, we're you know, the idea that competing, you know, getting, seeing opportunities, that's our part. Winning the opportunities, that's the part of the supplier to come in and to understand that sometimes we just don't have a need for, for every type of offering that's out there. I think the third is really sort of focused as part of what I talked about. The second is our sponsorship programs. Mm -hmm. So we see sponsorship programs as like key elements of supplier development at Cisco. And it's really about, I, I guess I would say, while, while I've been really happy over time seeing more and more of our diverse suppliers becoming preferred suppliers, through the tangible process that other that suppliers become uh, uh, preferred at Cisco, um, there is there is an element of diverse suppliers that I think really benefit from what I like to say is pulling back the curtain, right? So we're already doing business with them, but it's a little bit of a mystery what's going on behind it. So opening that curtain, assign that supplier a Cisco director that they meet with on a regular basis, provide curriculum sessions where we talk about. You know things at Cisco. We talk about things in, in you know th things in procurement, things at Cisco in general, and things in the you know in the outside in in the outside business world that are going on with our suppliers at the time. We think that commitment really makes a difference, and that we do it for suppliers that we are doing business with, and that we're trying to do more business with. And could you elaborate a little bit in terms of data points, uh, some of the data points that you guys look at when you guys are looking at suppliers? Is that even something that you guys are looking at or do companies, is it a requirement, for instance, different suppliers coming in and having to show their diversity numbers, what they're bringing to the board, how much they've contributed you know, year after year, how much their points have gone up in terms of being able to make an impact in the workforce? That is becoming more and more important in the environment. And part of what we part of the way that we've done that is it was really twofold with 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 all of our, you know, with our preferred supplier community. We really look at two things. We look at number one, what's their tier two spend? And a lot of companies do that, right? A lot, a lot of big companies with good programs are looking at tier two spend and understanding, wanting to understand what their customers uh, that their customer wants to know what they, you know, what they spend with diverse suppliers. We have we have customers who ask us to do the same thing. So that's you know that's not groundbreaking, but it's very it's it's very important, and it's important to have that as a robust part of our part of our um, part of our program. The other part is workforce diversity. So we talk very seriously with our preferred suppliers, many of whom are diverse, mm -hmm. about about reporting their workforce diversity as well. When we started the program and in procurement and started talking to 
sort of selling it internally with our stakeholders, we saw a couple of things. Number one, no matter how well we defined supplier diversity and workforce diversity, mm-hmm. 20 minutes into the conversation, we were in it, we, when we were trying to talk about supplier diversity, we ended up being asked about workforce diversity because that's what people, that's the trigger in people's head. When most of the time, when they think about diversity, they think about what we look like as a group, you know, what, what's the mix. So we sort of embraced that in two ways. Number one, with reporting from our preferred suppliers on that workforce diversity. And when we started doing it, not a lot of companies were doing this. So it's definitely, we felt like we pushed the envelope. I'd, I'd say the other is that we tell our diverse suppliers, look, our, you know, your customer at Cisco is expecting to see a diverse workforce. Even though you and I both know supplier diversity is about ownership, bring a diverse workforce to the table because that's what your customer is expecting. Absolutely. And how are you able to get, you know, I know you mentioned leadership as Cisco is very on board in these programs that you guys are implementing and have been having for these years, but how are you able to get everyone on board? Even if they're not in leadership, how can people have an impact within? I think it's, I think it sort of goes back to the passion area. Everybody can be motivated by different, you know, people, people have differing um, roles, differing, abil- different, differing abilities to engage diversity in either their personal hiring, in how, you know, what suppliers that they, what suppliers that they use, um, you know, in their sourcing decisions, category managers, right? Are they looking, are they making sure, are they working with Brian to see, if that, that we make sure that we have diverse suppliers as part of that process. Uh, it not Again, not to give away the business, but to see the opportunity. Um, I, I, I also think that, you know, I guess I would say that, I don't know, I lost my thought there. I'm going <laughs> to pause for a second. No worries, no worries. We could go to the next question. And if you want to get back to that one, we totally can. So no problem. You know, during our conversations, you've told me that supplier diversity is not a category and it's an approach. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's interesting when you work in an organization in a particular role as a category manager for several years and and by and large in procurement organizations, particularly when I was in that, most people were either category managers who faced suppliers or stakeholder managers who faced internally at Cisco. And so people kind of get used to you in that particular role. And I found myself in conversations with peers where they would say, Brian, you know, uh, you've got the supplier diversity category. I was like, no, 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 no. Supplier diversity is not a category. Supplier diversity is a program that we have to drive through your category. With the umpteen thousand things that you've got to think about as a category manager, capability, price, you know, uh, risk, uh, you know, geographic location, all, all these different things you have to think about. Here we come in with a supplier diversity program and said, we want you to think about diversity too. It's really important. So it's about sort of baking those things in and understanding that we can't singularly be about diversity either because it has to be about value. It has to be about what that supplier can bring to the table. So we constantly, you know, we, we, I, I, I constantly evangelize about supplier diversity, but we definitely want to make sure that the real multiplier is not us putting opportunities as a supplier diversity team in front of somebody. It's about people within their categories, you know, stake, stakeholders when they're making their buying decisions to have that as part of their thought process. 
Absolutely. And I think there's a program that you guys even put into place where you guys are awarding different suppliers or different vendors on um, their efforts in diversity. For instance, in 2019, Bay One was honored with one of the Cisco awards for being one of the top diversity suppliers. What does that entail? Well, you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, we, we, we have a procurement organization that on a supplier day, not just winning a supplier award, but being a finalist for a supplier award is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And, and it's some way that we can like give, that we can give recognition to great suppliers amongst their peers. I think one of the things that, that we've been proudest of in our program is when we have diverse suppliers that have earned nominations for awards outside of diversity, mm-hmm. right? You would expect, like, we have the diversity award, which we, we you know, we've, we've, we've evolved it over time. But last year was the first time we actually gave the diversity award to a non-diverse supplier because of how Jones Lang LaSalle helped us, yes. you know, drive a diversity program. So when we're looking at different, you know, we, we I, I consider myself to be kind of a tough category manager. I smile a lot, but I'll, I'll growl at you too. And so I think part of it is understanding what are the components that can, that where we can recognize a supplier. And that while it's not solely based on our sort of customer SAT score, which we call a SPAR score, mm-hmm. but it's also, you know, it's, 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 it's that you don't solely base it on that, but you certainly can't get an award with a bad one, right? Yeah. And then look at what are you doing beyond that? What is the story? What is the reasoning? What is the example of quality? What is the example of innovation? And those types of things. So um, I, I will tell you that most most people in, in, in the category management business are never prouder than when they see a supplier that they work with, that they work to develop, getting recognition. Absolutely. And, and it was the same when Bay One, when 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 Bay One got that recognition, you know, there was a little bit of me. It was like that. Absolutely. Whatever we could do to help out. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the recognitions that you guys are giving out when when you see an example or can you share an example of a supplier that might not have been a good fit for your program and what you saw that that, you know, occurred? I th- you know, it's interesting that I look at these things at a, with a level of transparency, right? That when we're having a communication, I know that most of the people I deal with, particularly in aspiring suppliers, is that they're in sales, right? Correct. They're trying to drive revenue. Revenue drives the boat. So my obligation is to be as honest and transparent as possible about what I think that possibility is. Um, I, I steal this from a from a from a, a speaker I heard once that was that coaches uh, actually a lot of veteran entrepreneurs, and he talks about defensible differentiators, right? And defensible differentiators are if you have them, if you have a defensible differentiator, your conversation becomes an education of that potential customer about what that differentiator is. If you don't have a defensible differentiator, you sell against your competition, which you can do, but it's infinitely harder. And defensible differentiators are not quality. We hire the best people mm-hmm. and we staff really quickly <laughs> or we are a veteran owned business. Yes. That's not a reason to do business with someone. That's not a reason to stop doing business with who you're doing business with to go do business with someone else. So the times that I've seen it uh, probably uh, stand out and it, 
I would say most companies I deal with don't lean on their diversity status too much. It gets you a conversation. It does not win you the business. Correct. And you see people that lean on it too heavily and don't and don't necessarily embrace, you know, it, it, like, like embrace the idea that they have to communicate what their what their real offering is and how it is different. And understand too that some place sometimes saying it's time to go fish elsewhere is is mm -hmm. actually a gift to that to that company to say, look, try somebody else. Absolutely. And just for being in you know supplier diversity programs all you know throughout all these years, we're seeing them evolve. Do you, in your opinion, do you think that they need to change every single year? Well, you know, I'm a huge I'm a huge college football fan, right? A huge and, and uh, a huge a huge uh, college sports fan. And like, there's old adage: if you ain't getting better, you're getting worse, right? So yes, I think you know we constantly have to push the envelope. And 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 our and again, our leadership. You know, my boss Denise Lombard. You had her, you had her on here last month, but Denise <laughs> constantly pushes to say, "What else can we do? What can we do better? What can we do more?" And you know, and honestly, um, you know, when you look at you start, we started with a diversity program and, a, and the best advice that we got was get your U.S. program squared away first. So that's what we did. Then we stepped out of the U.S. We looked and we followed the dollars because you want to follow where you can be the most impactful. But the best advice we got was start with a gender based program. So that's what we did. So as we continue to look, I think you have to always continue to look at not just growing the spend, but growing, continuing to push the opportunity, the opportunity measurements, making sure that we are constantly doing better over time and including diverse suppliers and opportunities, and that we're constantly looking at the mutually beneficial areas where we can expand mm -hmm. um, the program in a way that's beneficial to the supplier, but that's also beneficial to Cisco because it has to be that sort of joint value. Um, it, it, you know, I never want us to stop improving. I never want us to stop growing. Absolutely. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, things over time, I, I mean, we're, we're seeing it year to year, especially in the last, I would say, year and a half to two years, how much more emphasis supplier diversity has made in the workforce, how much more it's talked about. So I think naturally it does tend to change and in good ways. And as you mentioned, there's different types of people at work in terms of leadership to category managers and how to get everyone involved in the process. It's very important for everyone to be involved for a program to move forward as successful as it is at Cisco, for instance. So I completely agree with that. And in terms of some of the positives and negatives, have you seen um, supplier diversity programs in 2020 that have had positive and negatives where you, you guys have kind of had learned from that approach and different things have happened that maybe you guys didn't expect? Well, you know, I, I think that I think the hard the hardest part of a year like this is, you know, there 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 are impacts to companies. Right. And and if there's a natural sort of pulling back a little bit from a company like Cisco, that means less op, potentially less opportunities for all of our suppliers, diverse mm -hmm. or non-diverse. I think when you uh, you're wired like me and you enjoy the ride, right? You enjoy the relationships and the and the, and the people that you meet. Um, when you see companies whose business literally goes to zero, like if they're in, uh, you know, if if we have a supplier that's a that's a great preferred supplier in the events, you know, event space, right? 
-hmm. and suddenly there's no conferences. That you know, that's a huge impact to that company. Absolutely. So feeling sort of the 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 empathy, the sympathy, the pain, you know, of that, and trying to figure out what is it that we can do. What you know, you know, is there is there anything that we can do um, to help a supplier in that situation? I'd say on the plus side, you actually see others who um, uh, other suppliers in that situation who also see opportunities. And one of the great things, not just with diverse companies, but sometimes many times with small companies, the ability to pivot, the ability to have a virtual virtual meeting offering to immediately start to fill that vacuum left by there's not there, there aren't physical conferences to go to. And I've seen examples of that in, in, in our supply base that actually really tried uh, to, to, to pivot very quickly and got even busier because there's so much virtual activity going on. Right yeah, now. absolutely. And I think as the times changes, we're seeing more and more of these opportunities kind of come. Uh, as you mentioned, for some companies, it's not as, as a good opportunity, but for others, it's a, a chance to excel for them and find different areas of work and whatnot. So I agree with that. And uh, we have a couple of questions I kind of want to get into. One is from Anuj. Uh, he is asking, Brian, what do you see with the industry and society in general with diversity efforts? And what more can organizations do to make the efforts more effective and bring in greater value? That's a broad question. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, th I think that, you know, and I've caught myself saying this this year a lot, particularly um, with the sort of call to action, uh, you know, for social change that we've seen. We can't waste a good crisis here. I mean, I know that sounds a little bit calculating, but I would say that if there is greater, um, you know, motivation on people's part, Yes. To consider diversity. As a supplier diversity manager, you have to take advantage of that. You have to say, you know, have good, tangible, diverse, you know, possibility, you know, possibilities for people to use suppliers for, you know, to to, to compete for their opportunities. Um, I also think that, you know, it it's our, our most, I would say, mature in their diversity approach suppliers, most of them in the in the. Uh, our, our, our diverse companies as well, are those companies that are looking at not just hiring a diverse workforce, but how they develop a diverse workforce. And again, it's like, I, I can't believe I've gone this long without a movie reference, but <laughs> I tend to think of it like Moneyball, right? Mm -hmm. Think of it about being about things that are undervalued and things that are undervalued, if the capability is there, can be a great value to a customer. So, are, what are you, you know? What are people doing in the space to increase the diversity of things like girls in tech? You know, you know, different areas where you might not think, you, where you might not think about it. And and I also think, um, for example, um, I, I think it's key that everybody sees themselves as an aid, right? Everybody sees themselves as somebody that can contribute. One of the most gratifying things I saw in our sponsorship program in the first class was when we got in the second class one of my first class graduates started mentoring one of the second class, you know, our second class of, of yeah. sponsorees kind of put his arm around him and said, Hey, this guy's, this guy's from where I'm from. He's like, mm -hmm. you know, and so it was this way of sort of realizing that we all have a part in it. 
you right. know, it's not a single corporate, it's not a single company, it's not a single person. Like we all have a responsibility to it. And and the way diversity works is we're all gonna see it a little bit different and that's okay. I agree. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's completely correct. Anish, I hope that answered your question. Uh, we're gonna go on to the next question from Gordon. He mentioned you've touched on this You've touched on this a couple of times, but can you expand on what or how Cisco mentors its diverse supply base? So it's a, a, a couple of ways. Um, I, I would say the sponsorship program is the key is is the key part of the program, and I think it's uh, you know being selective for the sponsorship program. We've you know we've actually vetted, looked at the risk of the company, looked at their footprint, looked at what we think the possibility is for growth there. So not just that they're affable to being coached and we have a coach for them, but are there going to be potentially more opportunities for them? Because we really want it to result in tangible growth. So I think that's one. I think two are the curriculum sessions that we do within the sponsorship program, which is probably in this year of everything being bizarre and nothing being able to be in person has really kept our suppliers connected, kept us connected with them and kept a constant, you know, looking around for other messaging, other information, other things they could learn about. Um, I consider the partnership that I have with the category managers within our own organization to be key. As I said, probably we're getting close to 30 diverse suppliers are either preferred or niche, at least getting close to 20 of them are, are preferred suppliers, which is a huge increase from four years ago. So I have, you know, peer, my, my category manager colleagues, right? They're they're coaching and 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 managing and developing these suppliers because they're preferred suppliers, right? right. I mean, a lot of times one of the things I like to say is, you know, we have another name for diverse suppliers. We call them suppliers. <laughs> and so the idea of making sure that you know we're we're giving that information, you know, we're giving that feedback to them that we do because part of the sponsorship program. We manage it just like they're a preferred supplier. We give them SPAR scores. We compare them to the average. We tell them where they did well. We tell them where they could work. We tell them what the comments were. And, and what we have seen is a uniform increase in the scores of that family of suppliers over time. So I think those are probably our key elements. Thanks, Gordon. Thank you so much for answering that. I think our uh, time is coming up. If you'd like to add anything else, Brian, feel free to. Um, if not, thank you so much for joining us on our session today. We really appreciate it, and I think it was very informative. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me. Uh, my, my only shout out, my only call out is try find something that speaks to you in, in diversity and act on it. I mean, that's like the key. It's it's not about it's it's not that you have to embrace every facet or everything you see in it or everything you see in it but find something that you can embrace and move the conversation forward agree the passion is needed and so are the people that make the moves connect those two and we could all make an impact 100 percent agree so thank you thank brian you. i appreciate your time today and everyone else, please join us on next uh, Thursday, October 1st at 12.30 Pacific with our host Neha on Throughline Thursday. We're going to be having a special guest, Mario Middleton. He is the business diversity partner at Dropbox. So it'll be a great session, and hopefully you guys could all join and register. Thank you all again, and have a great week. Thank you for listening. To view our webinars and snippets, visit our YouTube channel, Bay One, The Future Works Here. 
You can also visit our website www.bay1.com or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you once again.